Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. You know, right in the middle of this whole Asbury delusion, you got these false prophets and these total coward males who are like Ahab. Notice 1 Kings 18, beginning in verse 20. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. So apparently these false prophets, I believe there's a total of 850 of them, were gathered together out of all the people of Israel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, that ultimately represents Satan, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. So notice Then it says, and then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. And then he goes and challenges them to a showdown. It was one, and that's also where 400 are spoken of after this, I believe. So there was at least 450, I believe it was 400 more, if I recall correctly. You can read this yourself, but notice how long halt ye between two opinions. And I would ask, God would ask us that today. How long are we going to vacillate? Jesus said, you're either with me or you're against me, Matthew 12, 30. And Jesus gave us everything from Genesis 1, 1 to Revelation chapter 22, the end of it. And so anybody who is with Jesus is absolutely in agreement with what Jesus said from Genesis to Revelation. Regrettably, we have so few men, and I'm going to focus on the men here in this message also, that are not men of the Word of God. Now, they have absolutely have knowledge of so many things in this world, but they don't have much knowledge of the Word of God. And many of them, perhaps people listening to me right now, aren't even diligently daily studying the Word of God as a lifetime journey and pursuit to learn of the Lord and to walk in his ways, reading, studying, and meditating upon the word of God day and night, like godly men do, according to Psalm chapter one. So Jesus says, he that is of God, heareth God's words. You know, I'm getting sicker and sicker of hearing people tout so freely that the Holy Spirit showed them, quote unquote. But these same people, 99% of them don't spit out scripture. In other words, they don't establish that God is moving according and in concordance 
in accordance with his own word, because he is not the author of confusion. He will never contradict his own word. The Bible is the final divine authority of God. And if you're not being rooted and grounded in the word, you're not being rooted and grounded in Christ at all. And you're just pretty much a flake that's out there and you can be spoken to by any spirit, including your own sinful, wicked spirit. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, Proverbs 28, 26. And so many people, again, claiming, well, the Lord showed me. Listen, why not say the Lord shows us in the word of God, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word, the written word, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You're saying or me saying that the Holy Spirit is showing me is subjective, red flags. I'm weighing everything you say against the word of God. And you really need to repent and just start giving scripture because the word of God is the primary, the written word of God is the primary way God leads his New Testament church, the primary way. It is the more sure word of prophecy. See, some listening are listening to people with prophetic words and dreams and all this stuff. Listen, I read somebody's prophetic dream or vision I was like, yeah, and I tried to be nice about it, but I admonished him and said, yeah, that's what we get from the word. It's only true because the word says it, not because you had a dream, you had a vision, or I pretended or stated and claimed that I heard from God. That doesn't make anything true. One guy was highly upset with me over the last week. We've been in a 24-7 firestorm of attacks because we are leveling an attack expose on this delusion of Asbury which we'll get into here more in a minute specifically. But this person said, just because you have a podcast doesn't make anything you say true. I I said, absolutely, absolutely true. What man said is not true. You see, the Bible says all scripture, the scriptures, the written oracles of God, the precious divine promises of the Lord, 2 Peter 1, the oracles of God, 1 Peter 4, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. And that's why I believe it's important that we state the word and the reference to it so that people can go into the word like good Bereans, Acts 17, 10 and 11. They took Paul the task and they searched the scriptures daily, whether or not those things were true that Paul was stating. That's what God is calling us to do. Search the scriptures daily. If you're not in the word daily, you have already backslidden. And so many running around claiming they know the truth, and they're not even in the Word every day. You're not even right with God, man. You got every day to eat, watch TV, go on social media, and watch the news, or all of this other non-eternal, and much of it is corrupting influences, but you don't have time to read the Bible. Why? You're making a statement. You don't love the Lord. You're not saved. You have backslidden. You're not right with God. Acts 17.11, these were the believers at Berea, the town of Berea, were more noble. If you want to be more noble, listen up, in the eyes of God. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Paul suffered great persecution at Thessalonica, and then he bounced to Berea. In that, here's why God said they were more noble, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Capture that phrase, quote, unquote, searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Just like Jesus had instructed, you shall know them by their fruit. 
Matthew 7, 16 and 20. By the way, if Jesus didn't want his people to discern, that's what no means there. Go look it up if you want. If he didn't want people to know others by their fruit, to discern them by their fruit, not by what they say or claim so much as by the fruit of their life, beginning with the fruit of their doctrine, why would he have said such a thing? I wonder. It's a rhetorical question. Get us thinking. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. The apostle Paul, after speaking of the last day resume of men who would be lovers, these are the perilous times that are here now, beginning in verse 1. Men are going to be lovers of their own selves, boasters, proud, full of pride, blasphemers, disobedient. They're blasphemers. One of the ways they're blaspheming is they're trying to put the name of God on a sodomite abomination so-called revival called Asbury. That's blasphemy. Anybody still defending the Asbury delusion as a move of God is an antichrist. I'm going to show that to you in cold heart facts in a minute here with receipts. So get ready. Blasphemous. This is what we see right now. And and notice verse five. These people have a form of godliness. They claim to know God. And this isn't the rank heathen. It's now in the church and is becoming prominent. But God is using it to forge together a remnant. And we're standing on the word of God. You're not of God if you're not standing on the written word of God. Period. Jesus said he that is of God. He that is of God heareth God's word. Ye therefore hear them not because you are not of God. He was speaking specifically to religious counterfeits. And that's who I'm speaking to if you're listening. That you are not of God, quote unquote, not of God if you don't put God's word as the final divine authority of your life. The remnant and the unity in the remnant is based on the love for and the worship of God via his truth, in his truth, the word of God. All Christian unity, if it's real, is based on agreement that God is true and every man is a liar. Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. And God has spoken. There's a book he gave us called the Bible. Have you heard of it? You want to ask people this sometime because they're saying all kinds of spiritual stuff, but it's everybody's a Christian until it gets biblical, right? Yeah, they're a counterfeit. That's what you are, my friend. If you are not grounded in the word of God and what you speak comes from the word of God and nowhere else. If any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles, the written word of God. But let me just throw this in there while we're at it, since I've already offended people and I love to do it. And not trying to do it, but I love to do it if it's appropriate. And they need to be blown out of their trenches because they've been coddled by false prophets for so long. Listen, if you're not in the word of God, you don't love God. You do not have any business pretending to represent the Lord or to say the Holy Spirit is leading you. Notice what Isaiah 8.20 says. If they speak not according to this word, that's Genesis to Revelation, it is because there is no light in them. And isn't it interesting that just before that, four verses before in Isaiah 8, 16, he says something very pertinent to us, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, seal the law among my disciples. That's part of what we're doing right here. We are seeking to get your attention on and your involvement in and the investment of your heart affections in the Lord coming straight out of his word and letting his word be a lamp unto your feet, his word, his written word, and a light unto your path, having a conscience that is captive to the word of God. 
so many flakes running around claiming to be hearing from God. Just unbelievable. And they don't even know scripture. You have no business speaking to even one person as if you are leading them in the way of the Lord unless you got scripture. What saith the scriptures, period. Now, there's a lot of lazy people. Now, they're not lazy when it comes to doing social media, watching their favorite sport, going shopping or shopping online. For, no, they got all the time and energy in the world and the wherewithal within themselves to love all the things of this world. And the Bible says, if any man loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. But yet they're going to claim and they're going to still be ignorant of the word of God. And they've been saved a year, two years, three years, five years or more. And they don't even know 10 or 15, 20 scriptures memorized from the King James Bible. They can't navigate somebody through a Bible teaching on the topics revealed, in particular, the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith. I've known people and seen it firsthand that get saved and they know dozens of scripture memorized and in the word every day within a month or two, literally. So people get uptight when you tell the truth here like this, that God expects you to know his word and to walk in it. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So let us ask a simple question. Does rejecting or neglecting to learn, to know, to understand, and to walk in God's word, does that bring a blessings or cursings to somebody's life? That is refusing, neglecting to learn the word of God. Let's read Hosea 4, 6. My people, his own people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge because, he goes into detail now, where does that knowledge come from? Because thou hast rejected knowledge, that's the word, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest, you will not represent to me, Thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law, that's the word, the instructions on record in the word of God. Thou hast forgotten the law, the word of thy God. I also will forget thy children. See, Hosea 4, 6. So it brings cursing on our own life and on the lives of our lineage, lack of knowledge of God's word, of his precious precepts is individually intentionally induced ignorance, 100%. There's no excuse for it. Regrettably, most men know more about sports, about the things of this fleeting world than they do of the Bible. Many who falsely claim to love God and be saved also refuse to endure, to hold, endure sound doctrine it is. That is, it means to hold themselves accountable to sound doctrine. Remember, the scripture says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering doctrine for the time will come, we live in those days right now, when they will not endure, hold themselves accountable to sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And that's why these guys believe that this delusion called Asbury, that's now spreading nation and it's gonna be worldwide, by the hand of the devil, it's all been planned. That's why they're so gullible, so dupish, because they are being coddled by false prophets that never rebuke them, never admonish them, never preach hell, sin, repentance, holiness, the return of Christ and being ready with a spotless garment. None of these things, judgment to come. They don't teach the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith. So they go 
ballistic on somebody that speaks straight to them with rebuke. And I know some people who live by their emotions don't like that, but I don't think we're going to be changing anytime soon. This is not a ministry to coddle people in their sin. That's what false ministries do. So you're welcome to go heap to yourself any number of false teachers that are going to coddle you in your sin and tell you it's okay if you live in sin, because after all, we all sin. That person is a false teacher. God gave you the power through the cross life, the crucified life, whereby he's raising you up daily in his divine grace, his divine enablement to overcome all sin. You have no excuse to be living in sin. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Also be ye holy for I am holy. The Bible tells us Jesus came, thou shalt call his name Jesus and he shall save his people from their sin. If you're not saved from sin, are you saved for heaven? No, you aren't. John 1 29, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He came to take away your sin, not only to forgive you and wash you clean at the moment that you were born again when you repented and received Christ, but to cause you to walk free of all that defiles you in his holy eyes, to cut out, pluck out the eye, to cut off the hand that causes you to offend, lest your whole body be cast into hell where the fire shall never be quenched and where your worm will not die. Your consciousness will never cease. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 43 through 49. When's the last time your favorite pastor or preacher preached on that text? I'm just going to leave that as a rhetorical question because I know one out of a hundred of you listening do have a good pastor. And he just preached on that probably. He preaches hell. He preaches sin. And exactly what God calls it. He doesn't dodge anything. He goes straight to the heart of the hard sayings of Christ about laying down your life, forsaking the evils of this world and walking down the narrow way, which leads to life that few and few there be that find it. But the other 99 of you have not heard that probably ever preached. And that's the words of the Savior we claim to love. Isn't that amazing? And let me stop here and say this. You, my friend, listening to me right now, are 100% personally responsible and personally accountable to know the contents of God, your maker, who sent his only begotten son to die for your sins. You, my friend, are 100% personally responsible before God, and he's watching and expects you to obey him and study to show yourself approved unto God. You do it. That's what Paul was saying right there. You study to show yourself. It's not for the pastor to do. It's for you to do. And if he's a true pastor, he's getting you in the word of God. That wipes out 99 out of 100 pastors right now. Why? They don't care if you get in the word of God. By the way, if you got in the word of God, you'd probably see them for the fraud they are. So they're not incentivized to do it. It's all about an agenda of getting you to patronize their ministry financially and otherwise. They're not reproving, rebuking you with the word of God as they preach the raw word of God with no respect or fear of men. Second, Timothy, they're coddling you in your sins. They're turning the circus wheels. They're giving you cotton candy. They're preaching promises without the conditions that are right there all over the word of God. But you're not going to know that unless you're in the word of God yourself, studying, 
pouring prayerfully over the words of God every single morning, letting them not depart from thine eyes. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 23. Notice here, looking, Titus 2, 13, looking for that blessed hope. Who's that? Here it is. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And who's he coming back for? Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but one that is holy and without blemish before him in love. The only reason why anybody listening to me right now, including myself, has any spot of sin on their life is because they have so far refused to confess it before God. And when you confess, only if you confess your sins, is he faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9, to come before the throne of grace to obtain mercy as you admit you've sinned and find grace to help in time of need. There you go. That's the operational power of God and the divine influence of God on your heart to change you so you no longer walk in those sins. Amen. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Titus 2, 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Okay, here we go. He gave himself for us. Why? Here it is. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. Not 99 out of 100 of your sins, but all of them. One sin in the eyes of a God that is holy, holy, holy is as good as a million. How many sins did it take that Adam and Eve committed, disobeying God, for him to kick them out of the garden, out of his presence? Just one. You want to argue with that fact? Go ahead. All you're doing is prolonging the curse in your life and rejecting the blessing of God. Jeremiah 5.25, your sins have withholden good things from you, and they will continue until you get honest with God, admit you have sinned against him, and you are in full need of his mercy, and cry out to him to break you and to anoint you to be dead and buried with Christ and raised again, Romans chapter 6, etc. So Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, and here's why, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, all iniquity, all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar, that means special people, zealous of good works. That brings in so many things. Suffice it to say, Jesus came and died to redeem us from all iniquity, not only initially, but ongoing. You've got to walk in the light. You're not automatically forgiven for all present or future sins. What is it? Romans 3.25 says Jesus died and he applied his blood to your past sins, quote unquote, sins that are past. After he saves you, you got to walk in the light. First John 1.7, as he is in the light and you have fellowship one with another and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. Then it says right after that, that you confess those sins. If you don't, then you don't receive fresh forgiveness. You got to stay before the Lord. You got to stay in an abiding, vital union with Christ after he saves you. Are you going to be cast into the fires of hell? John 15, verse 6. Many of you listening have never heard these scriptures. You've been lied to. It's your fault, 100%. Every time that I have neglected the word of God, which hadn't been for like 30-something years, I'll tell you that story in a minute maybe, then it's my fault, 100% my fault. Nobody else's. So if you don't know and you're not walking in the Word of God, meditating upon the words of God every day, 
you're not having success and you're not prospering. Doesn't matter what else you think you got that so-called defines you as somebody that's prosperous. According to Joshua 1.8, which says, This book of the law, that's the word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Amen. Are you meditating in the word of God day and night? That thou mayest observe to do according to all, not some, but all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You're only going to have prosperity in the real sense and success according to how God defines it. And last time I checked, he's your judge, nobody else. And you're only going to have his prosperity and success if you walk in his word. Amen. So Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Then he says, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. See, men of God, let me say something. When you're speaking the word of God, not your word or some convoluted mixture of what you think, lay the ax to the root, guys. We need to. Go on a fast, die to yourself, cry out to Jesus to circumcise your heart. And by the way, that's the action of the word, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. As it divide, cuts even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, to where your senses, even your senses are exercised to discern both good and evil. Also Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. And that's, let me say this, that's why so many of us knew immediately because we've been around this, this circus wheel. We've seen it before several times with these false revivals. Many of us knew immediately this was not a real revival. And now all the ugly stuff's coming out, which I'm getting ready to get to in a minute. All of the evil, and I mean, it's ugly. It's real ugly. These things you're to speak and rebuke with all authority. See, some people get nervous when they hear somebody rebuking, but go look up the word rebuke and rebuked and rebuking in the Bible, the King James Bible always, and you're going to see that it's all over the Bible. Listen, every one of us needs to be rebuked at times. It's only those that are full of pride that don't like it. Jesus said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I'm thankful to those who have rebuked me along the way, men of God, that is. By the way, men are to rebuke men, not women. So I mentioned something earlier, and I'm going to tell you, as I've told you before, that one of the men of God in my life looked at me one day. I was a young Christian and vacillating, not yet grounded in the, the word daily. Not until that day, not until that day, he looked at me and he put his finger under my chin, stood right in my face, and he said, you need to get in the word. Boom, bomb drop, lightning bolt. Never been the same since. Hadn't been out of the word ever since then. Not going to be out of the word. Amen. How are you going to meditate on the word? How does the word going to get into you and I unless we're getting into it? So he's saying that what he just said, we are to speak and exhort with all authority. Why? Because the word of God, the words of God are the final divine authority of God. Not what I say, not what you say, not what sister or brother. Well, everybody's saying it to revival. <laughs> Boom. You're talking to a flake right there. All of these people can't be wrong. I cannot tell you how many men, spineless cowards, I'm calling you what you are, Revelation 21.8, you're fearful, you're a coward, 
Well, you don't know. I know a brother. I really trust him. There it is right there. There it is. Cursed is the man that trusteth in men. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, 5. You're trusting men. You're not trusting God. Well, they said they went and it was a real revival. How many hours have people watched on YouTube? Because you can watch it and see what it is and not seeing this is totally false. But my friend said it's true. He felt chill bumps. That's another spirit. We know that because it's preaching the false gospel. First Timothy chapter four, verse one, the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, in the last days, there's coming seducing spirits and doctrines of devils spoken by false prophets. So if they're speaking false doctrine, doctrines of devils, and by the way, if they're not speaking the word of God, then what spirit is present? Notice you can't separate this term quote, seducing spirits, that's demons, and doctrines of devils. Boom. So what spirit are they feeling? They're sensing the devil. The Holy Spirit is not there, and I'm going to prove that to you in a minute. The Holy Spirit is not there. It's another Jesus, which is really a demon. It's another gospel because they're not even opening the Bible, much less preaching it. And they're violently, blatantly, blasphemously violating and contradicting the Bible, as I said, I'm going to share with you in a minute. Another spirit is always going to be attached to that which is another gospel and another Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 through 5, and also right after that, he speaks about these false apostles who are manifesting as angels of light. And these are Satan's ministers. Hello. Boom. Second Corinthians 11, Galatians chapter one, verse six through nine. If any man preach any other gospel, he's accursed. He's preaching another Jesus empowered by another spirit, demons, another spirit other than the Holy Spirit. And it is another gospel, another Jesus. So anybody condoning this thing is absolutely a heretic and an antichrist. And I'm getting ready to prove that to you. So as we leave Titus chapter 2, where it says that you're to speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Rebuke, straight up rebuke. It's time to stop patty caking with people and just hoping they come around, rebuke them, and after the first or second admonition, if they don't repent, reject them. You don't have time to try to pander to and let Satan use these people that are in darkness that swear to their Christians but aren't. Because we know them by their fruits. They're not adhering to the written words or they're false. Satan wants to tie you up and entangle you up with this false obligation that you need to somehow be loving and just wait around and keep sowing seed. Get away from all that. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls to swine. Give not that which is holy, the word of God, to dogs. Cut them off. Titus 3 verse 10 tells us right here in the same passage area in same book titus 3 verse 10 says a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject who is a heretic somebody that doesn't agree with and believe and walk in the counsel of the written word of god so a man that is a heretic after the first and second specifically two times admonition you corrected him you let the word try to correct him but he rejected it boom block him you're done if you're going to walk with god you're going to have to realize this is a divine command it's time to lay the axe to the root get rid of all the emo garbage to have our hearts circumcised by the word of god itself 
do it right now. Decide that everybody that you encounter that's not going to adhere to the Word of God, you're going to share it with them once and twice, and then you're done. That's a divine command. A man that is a heretic, after the first and second admonition, do what? Reject him. Knowing this, then he gives you a little insight in the people that don't believe the Word of God. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth. He's got sin in his life. He loves darkness rather than light. John 3, 19 through 21. He's not enduring sound doctrine. He's living according to the flesh. He's living in a state of separation from God. He's alienated from God. He's alienated from the life of God. Even though he was saved in the past, he's in darkness. He's backslid. The, the sow or the pig has returned to her wallowing in the mire, knowing that he, that's the heretic person that doesn't adhere to the word of God, that is such, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. He's made his own choices. It's not your responsibility. It's not your obligation to try to coddle him or soft pedal the truth to him for a long time. Satan is going to use that. Lay the ax to the root, cut them off and go minister to somebody else, especially somebody that wants to hear the word. So Titus 2, 1, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. How are you and I going to speak sound doctrine if we're not full of sound doctrine like all wise virgin believers? That's the only people that are ready to be in heaven. Those that are full of the oil of God, which comes through diligent daily study of his word, ingesting his word, letting it do its work in you as a sharp two-edged sword, circumcising and cutting away the things in your heart that don't belong, nourishing and neutrifying your spirit and bolstering you in the work of Christ and a life of prayer. That's how you keep your vessel full so that it is lighting your path down the narrow path that leads to life. This is going to be Matthew 25, 1 through 13, Jesus's parable of the 10 virgins. So if the Holy Spirit were truly working at Asbury, and we know he's not by the fruit, Jesus would be being glorified. Remember, Jesus taught this in John 16, 13, and 14. But when the Comforter, capital C, that's the Holy Spirit, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. That's John 15, 26. Notice the Holy Spirit, when he's working, he's testifying of Jesus. Is there any preaching of Jesus going on at Asbury? Let me help you know. And anybody who says otherwise is a lying devil. There is no video evidence and there's probably at least dozens, if not hundreds of hours of video on this catastrophe, and nobody's even opening a Bible. And when you do see it, it's some lame dude up there that's a spineless, just leave it at that, light in the loafers. And then you got, as I'm gonna cover here in a minute as we close, this sodomite who's openly invited and to promote sodomy there at Asbury, unbelievable. That's the only time you see anybody up there speaking, and they're not preaching the word, they're not preaching anything about conviction of sin, repentance, holiness, hell, overcoming all sin by the power of Christ and the cross in your daily life, the crucified life. None of this stuff, none of this stuff's being preached. Jesus is not being preached, and he's the grand subject of all of Scripture. Somebody says, well, people are getting saved, they're repenting. What are they getting saved into, guys? That's my rhetorical question for you. What are they getting saved into? Some spooky club? 
where people can just say the Holy Spirit's moving and do anything they want, including fall all over the ground and do whatever and numb themselves out by singing the same stuff over and over. Are they getting saved into that or the real body of Christ where the word of God is honored? That's what I wonder. Now, somebody says, well, people are getting saved all over the world, man. God owns the whole earth. So why are you so impressed? I can tell you why, because you're so gullible. You still don't see. Let me ask you this. If the world is promoting this, what does that tell you? Jesus said the world would love her own. She, the world hates the body of Christ. They hate Jesus and his true people. Why would the world be promoting something that's truly of Jesus? Like this con man movie called The Chosen. Look that up on Safeguard Your Soul. Put in The Chosen. Put your seatbelt on because it's totally a, a demonic deception. Absolute evil. Unbelievable. The guy playing John the Baptist is an open blatant Satanist, etc. It's a Catholic operation, just like this agenda being used out of this Asbury catastrophe. It's all been planned. Evidence is coming out. The whole thing was staged. But some people stayed after chapel and kept worshiping. Excuse me. All you got to do, man. What are you doing? You still watching fake news? Are you that in darkness? Yeah, I'm rebuking you and embarrassing you. Listen, man, all you got to do these days is pay a few crisis actors to do anything you want them to do. It's rent a mob, man. It's working in politics. It's working in this fake revival. All they had to do is slip a few hundred dollar bills to the guys and said, hey, after service, we want you to just stay there and sing the songs. And all of a sudden, a revival is breaking out. Gullible dupes jump and say, oh, finally, God's moving. The Bible never says there's going to be a revival in the final days. Second Thessalonians chapter two, it says that there's going to be a great falling away, not a revival. Show me one place in the Bible that says in the final days before Jesus's return, there's going to be a revival. It doesn't say that. In fact, that's what tells us that this is a false revival, among many other things that we're mentioning here. So the people that are standing up and calling this out, they actually love you. You don't know what love is because open rebuke is better than secret love. See, the kisses of an enemy, those who allow people to go on in their sins, those are evil people. You don't need those kind of people. You need godly people around you, and so do I. In fact, Psalm 141, I believe it's verse 5, let the righteous rebuke me, David prayed. Let them rebuke me, man. Whatever it takes, Lord, I want to be in your will all the way to the end. Amen. Are you going to go to hell? And yet some people surround themselves with yes men and women. They just want everybody to accept them like they are. Let me tell you, God is not going to accept you if you're living in sin. And it doesn't matter what that sin is. If he calls something sin and you're living in it, you're as sure for hell as if you were already there. In fact, you're not there right now because by the mercy of God, you're hanging over the flames of eternal damnation by a spider thread. But that spider thread might just break today. You better repent. If God says fornication, that means any sex outside of one male and one female in holy matrimony, that's what fornication is. Any sex by yourself or with somebody else is an abomination. It's a sin. Every list of soul damning sins in the Bible has fornication in it. Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Hebrews 13, 4 and 5. So listen to what real love looks like. Remember we just said that Jesus said, as many as I love, I rebuke. Oh, wait a minute. Rebuke attached to love. Yes. Revelation three nineteen. The church of Laodicea, as many as I love, 
I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Just listen to him and do it his way. And when you do, you're going to be blessed beyond measure. I don't know, man. Maybe that's the whole message here, guys, that we all need to just get honest and go, you know what? I've tried it my way. It's not working, man. It never did, never will. Why don't I just surrender and say, Lord, have your way in me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Cry out with John the Baptist and say, Lord, you must increase, but I must decrease. John 3.30. I am crucified from this moment on with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. Amen. Jesus is now reigning in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Galatians 2.20. Okay, it's Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. This is what real love is per God, not somebody sentimental, emotional. I'm just amazed that all of these men must have been raised by a woman. I don't knock you. That wasn't your fault. But you need to be around a lot of other men because the Bible says... Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man, notice specifically, sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Men consult and confer with other men. That's what we see in the Bible all the way through. That's Proverbs 27, 17, I believe. Iron sharpens iron. And so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend, which is another man. We need godly men in our lives that can put their hand on my shoulder and tell me where I could improve. Tell me where I have something that's out of the will of God, out of the word of God in my life, out of balance. You know, if Jesus sat down with me today, just like he wrote the letter, he had those seven letters that were given by John to the seven churches. I wonder if I would be so foolish and flat out stupid enough to think that Jesus, if he sat down with me today over a cup of coffee, wouldn't have some things to probably confirm or true and correct in my life and some things that he wanted corrected. Would I be so stupid to think that Jesus doesn't have work to do in me? (laughs) That is beyond laughable. He's the potter and we're the clay. Jeremiah 18 verse 6. And we need to throw our hands up today as the clay and say, Lord, pour the water of your spirit and your word on me. Cleanse me and make me pliable, O God. Give me a heart of flesh. Take away the stony hardened places that have been formed by my own sin and by stubbornness and rebellion and witchcraft. I denounce them now, God. Have your way in me, Jesus. Increase in me, Lord. Break me to the core of my being and unite my heart to fear thy name, Lord. Consume me with your holy fear in the depth of my bosom. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 27 five and six rebuke open rebuke is better wait a minute open rebuke is better than something sure is what is it open rebuke is better than secret love secret love smiles at somebody and lets them go on living in sin living in separation from god because those are synonymous god is holy 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 and he's not going to coexist with anybody who's living in rebellion so and sin is defined by his word nothing else Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Amen. When you got good friends around you, they're going to wound you sometime. They're going to lovingly do it. It should be done in love. When you're speaking one-on-one, some of you people think I'm just a madman, especially after this firestorm that's happened 
over the last week or so exposing this Asbury demonic delusion. But I'm speaking in most cases to a general audience. Keep that in mind. And I make no apology for being direct, by the way, as long as it's biblical and very harsh at certain times. That's what it needs to be, to blow people out of their trenches. And that comes out of the love of God when people rebuke. That's what we're seeing right here. Open rebuke is better than secret love. He ties rebuke with love. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Revelation 3.19. That's what he says in Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 5 through 12, that he rebukes all of those he loves. When he saves you, he's just starting his work in you. He's not finishing it. Philippians 3, Paul said that he had not attained. I'm sorry, can you help me with this? If the apostle Paul or any of the apostles of Jesus are saying they have not attained to spiritual maturity all the way to perfection, I'm sorry, we're probably not either, (laughs) ever, much less now, because God's got a lot of work to do in all of us. And we've got to stay teachable before the Lord and honor him by honoring his word. You don't honor God. You don't love God. You're not right with God if his word is not the final divine authority of your life. And whoso despises the word shall be destroyed. You're going to hell. Proverbs 13, verse 13. You're going to hell. Proverbs 13, 13. Whoever despises the word of God is going to be destroyed. You're a counterfeit. But yet so many people that are living in darkness... They have not truly repented, and they live out of their emotions, are swearing like little emo cowards that Asbury is of God. Don't you dare spoil my delusion. I mean, it's sickening, man. I hope that embarrasses you if that's you. If that's not you, just ignore it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Somebody that loves you is going to rebuke you. We got examples of that. Donald Trump had some TV show, I don't even know what it's called. I've never even watched it. Maybe I saw a few 30-second clips of it here or there. But he would tell people, you're fired. You got other men. It's constructive stuff. They tell you like it is. And a lot of people count them as being rude. But those are the kind of men that actually get stuff done. And you later go, man, thank God. I personally thank God for the pastor I mentioned earlier who told me, you need to get in the word. I mean, he just nailed that rebuke. I'm so thankful for that man. It produces great results. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Those wounds cause you to be wounded unto life. Everybody that's coddling you and your delusion and your sin and you're whining and making excuses for your sin that's sending you to hell and causing you to forfeit the blessings of God on earth is not your friend. They are deceitful, man. That's what it says right here. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. See, they're kissing you instead of rebuking you. And what does the Bible call them right here? An enemy right in your camp. So we started talking about how Jesus said that whenever the Holy Spirit is working, He's going to glorify Jesus. What are you hearing from the testimonies of those at this Asbury delusion? One of them mentioned Jesus of the several I saw that are being interviewed. And by the way, don't you find it a little strange that they already have a Asbury promotional video out where they're interviewing all these young people. By the way, 
I've been to Bible college. Some of you have been. You know just how gullible that can be. You got a bunch of 18 to 25 or 30-year-olds in there. They don't know anything. Man, it's not their fault, but they're delusional. They're looking for anything that they can put God's name on. And then that's what you got that's going on here at Asbury. There's no older, elder, seasoned men of God who are keeping everything grounded straight out of the Word of God. None of that up there. One brother wrote this named Stephen. What a blessing. Listen to this. A true Holy Spirit revival does not bring false religions and movements together. And let me stop to say this. NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, cult, word of faith, Catholicism, that's what's all blended up in this thing, along with sodomites. Unbelievable. And for anybody to say this is a movement from God, Jesus said a cursed root cannot and will not bring forth good fruit, Matthew 12, verse 33. So that's what's being brought together here. It's the formulation of the one world religion that is Revelation 17 and 18, etc. A true Holy Spirit revival, Stephen writes, does not bring false religions and movements together in unity. Neither does it make people who are living a sinful lifestyle feel comfortable and at peace without full biblical repentance. If it does, it's counterfeit. Boom! We are ripe, R-I-P-E, for the greatest deception, he says, of all as the one world church is developing, preparing for the arrival of the Antichrist. Boom! We will soon witness a deeper display of power, but it will be a counterfeit. The true Christ is coming sooner than you think, unquote. Amen. And to his point there, we are already in this whole so-called fake revival, this Asbury revival is lying signs and wonders. You can bet on that. So Jesus said this also, John 16, 13 through 14, how be it when he, the spirit, capital S of truth, can't separate the Holy Spirit and the truth of God. And Jesus said his word is truth, John 17, 17. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, what is he going to do? He will guide you into all truth. In other words, he's going to walk you and teach you the word, the scriptures. For he shall not speak of himself. Uh Uh-oh. And that's all you're hearing from these young people. Well, the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nothing about Jesus. Red flag. Another red flag. I don't know how many red flags have to go up. I mean, you're in trouble spiritually if you don't see this as a total false revival. That doesn't mean God can't save somebody here or there. But do I personally believe hundreds are being saved? No. And by the way, I'm questioning, what are they being saved to, as I mentioned earlier? So the Holy Spirit is not going to speak of himself. So the Holy Spirit is not quickening these people to glorify him as they continue to say the Holy Spirit did this, the Holy Spirit did that. They're ashamed of the name of Jesus is what's going on. So for whatsoever he, the Holy Spirit, shall hear, That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So when the Holy Spirit's really moving, he is showing and revealing Jesus Christ. This current fake revival has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Same thing we see with the NAR and WOF, Word of Faith cults, right? It's 100% self-serving and not about seeking, knowing, worshiping, loving, and obeying Jesus Christ. None of it. They are not abiding in Christ. They're not even born again, most of them. And therefore, the fruit of the Spirit is not being produced in them. 
read John chapter 15, where Jesus speaks of the fruit of the Holy Spirit being born out of an abiding relationship with him. It is vital union with him and adherence to his words. Okay, so let's talk about perhaps the biggest dead ringer, if you will, of this whole delusion. Many people, even some listening, you got egg on your face, man. You went ahead and some of you are still promoting and defending this abomination. Man, you need to get right. You need to stop speaking for God because you don't speak for him. You're not grounded in his word. You don't believe his word. And you're defending this abomination. You're going to hell with these false prophets, according to Second John verse 10 and 11. You're bidding Godspeed to something that is the enemy of Christ and claiming it's of God and then defending and arguing to promote it. It's unbelievable delusionment. Listen, like it or not, you've been played for a fool. If you bought into this revival, say it's from God, man, you've been sold down a river, dude. You are one gullible chump. Does the Almighty now condone sodomy? Has he changed? I mean, this is sickening stupidity. Delusionally, we still have gullible prey, P-R-E-Y, godless rebels saying things like, but it's real. God is in Asbury. My response to that is, God is everywhere. But that doesn't mean he's blessing sin, which he will not coexist with sin and condemns. God is holy, holy, holy. Isaiah 6.3, Revelation 4.8. Explain the video that's now out there of this sodomite that is a third-year student at Asbury named Elijah Drake. He looks like a girl. Asbury student, in your face with the abomination of sodomy. Leviticus 18.22 tells us that homosexuality is an abomination. That's what the judge of your soul says. I'm not condemning you, but he will, and he is, and he's calling you to repent. That's what love does. I run into people, we all do, that are homosexuals. You're never going to see me trying to be mean to any of them, but my audience is the body of Christ, and we can't condone this. We got to love them with God's love enough to warn them. Love always warns. Open rebuke, as we just read in Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, is better than secret love. In fact, the Bible says if you don't warn them in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, God is holding you responsible and the blood is on your hands if they die in sin. Now, if you warn them and they die in sin, you have no liability there. You're clear. Read Ezekiel 18 this week. Okay, so any person who believes, still believes that Asbury is a revival of God, is an antichrist, complete apostate. If you're going to see this where Elijah Drake is on stage, the video's out there now, talking about his coming out. In other words, he's openly a sodomite. And somebody said today, this complete dupe was arguing that, well, you can't blame the whole school for that. Oh, I'm sorry. The school faculty put him on stage to promote his sodomy. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. They're fully involved. They're promoting it by putting him up there to promote it. You can look it up for yourself. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and, I think, link it in at least one of these Asbury revival category posts on safeguardyoursoul.com. And I went ahead and watched some of it. I couldn't stomach it anymore. I saw enough of it. But it's his coming out 
He's up there and they put him up there to tell everybody that he now has freedom, freedom, living in sin. Mm. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. Second Peter chapter two, verse 19, speaking of false prophets. So he says, more than ever, I have realized that coming out is an ongoing process. Oh, and then he goes on to talk about, but wait, he's celibate. Oh, okay. Let me get this straight. You're a sodomite at heart. You're attracted to men, which is an abomination to God. You're effeminate, but oh, you're not actually doing anything with anybody. So you claim and So now it's okay. No, not at all. In fact, the Bible speaks in Romans chapter one in verse 27. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly, completely indecent, and receiving in themselves the recompense they're reaping of the error which was meet or fitting. I think the average sodomite lives to be, what, 45 years old or less? What does that tell you? So leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. So if you have this burning of lust in your heart, even if it's a man that's lusting after a woman sexually that he's not married to, or a woman lusting after a man she's not married to, the Bible says that this is called evil concupiscence. This is one of the soul-damning sins of the 17 listed in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19-21. And it means a secret desire for that which is forbidden. So if it's in your heart, it's just as much of a sin in a, to God and separates you from God as if you were already doing it. Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. A brother was messaging me this week about this situation. He was talking to Michael Brown. Many of you are familiar with this guy who's got a worldwide ministry, I guess. Michael Brown. Brother Lawrence says this, when I brought this guy, the Elijah Drake sodomite on stage promoting sodomy, when he brought him up to Michael Brown, this dude Lawrence says that he brought Elijah Drake up to Michael Brown. Michael Brown said he spoke to leadership at Asbury and said the homosexuals at Asbury are celibate. <laughs> we just covered that. Who admit that it is sinful. He's clearly not, all caps, calling it sinful. What lies? Michael Brown said, I was slanderous and in sin. Yes, and there's many effeminates around today, unquote. So you got Michael Brown calling this guy, Lawrence, a slanderous and sinful because he is bringing out the reality and the sin in the camp at Asbury. I don't know how anybody could possibly be so in darkness to think they're saved and they're accepting and not agreeing with God. They're agreeing with something or anything else, including the world, in calling this out as sin. Notice in Romans 1, by the way, Romans 1 speaks of the last stages of apostasy and what you're going to see in the last stages of an apostasy of any country or society is acceptance of sodomy. And he ends the chapter by saying, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. They're separated from God and they're going to hell. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. 
So the people defending this sin are going to go to the same hell as those that they're defending in their sin. They have pleasure in them that do them. In fact, we've got a post on this verse. It is Proverbs, excuse me, Romans chapter 1, verse 32. Okay, let me read a piece to you here. Remember, condoning evil is sin in the eyes of a holy God, according to many scriptures, including 2 John 10 and 11, where it says, if you bid God's speed to those who don't bring the doctrine of Christ on record in the word of God, you are going to be a partaker of the same judgment as they do. So you better be careful what you condone in any way, word, money, support of any kind. If you condone or celebrate what God calls evil and act as if he has changed, as if it's okay and that God is tolerant of these sinful abominations, you, my friend, are not right with God and you are in need of repentance. Listen to the believers. No, it's a life in the spirit study Bible has a piece on that verse. It's really good. That was Mr. Donald Stamps that wrote that. Speaking of public acceptance of sin, he says this, based on Romans 1.32. Let me read that verse again. It's the last verse in Romans 1, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things, including sodomy, which he just finished speaking about, are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So this man, Donald Stamp, says, have pleasure in them that do them. Paul's last word on general human sinfulness is God's condemnation of a condition even more damning than the practice supporting, approving, and encouraging evil by taking pleasure in the immoral actions of others. This disposition is the ultimate in depravity, vicarious enjoyment of lust and evil. Sin becomes entertainment. Number one, the word have pleasure means are pleased with, delight in, or give approval to, and points to the casual enjoyment of the sins of others that prevails in human society. Number two, today we know that great harm is produced by the betrayal of immorality, fornication, that dominates the entertainment media, yet many consent to it and derive pleasure from it. Being entertained by watching other people sin and engage in ungodly actions, even while you yourself abstain, brings you under the same condemnation of God as those engaging in such evil practices. He finishes, he says, iniquity is intensified in any society where sin meets with no inhibition from the disapproval of others and where people enjoy watching it. Number three, hence those, and especially those who profess faith in Christ, who use the immoral actions of others for entertainment and enjoyment are directly contributing to public opinion favorable to immorality and therefore to the corruption and eternal damnation of an infinite number of other people. This sin is worthy of death and will be exposed and judged at the final day of judgment. Okay, saints, we're going to try to close here. Dear sister named Karen, I'm telling you, some of these sisters have had some incredible insight on this thing. These are women of the word who truly fear the Lord and walk according to the word of God and not their own feelings or emotions. She says this, I'm wondering if the Lord has allowed this whole Asbury delusion in order to expose this thing for what it is. Surely the majority of Christians would know 
this can't be right, right? I personally have been praying for the Lord to shine the light on the evil in this to where it can't be denied whose hand is behind it. Guys, God is not going to accept any person that is a homosexual into his eternal kingdom. That's fornication and it is abusing themselves with mankind. It's called in the New Testament. It's called out specifically as a sin, as an abomination. And even those who are effeminate, that's a word used in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, are going to be excluded from the eternal kingdom of God. They are not a part of the body of Christ. You cannot be effeminate and be a Christian, much less be a sodomite. It's a perversion of God's creation, his creative design, and his creative order. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. So after seeing the sodomy in our faces, speaking publicly from the platform at Asbury, which I got linked in the, let's say, I'm going to give you the exact, here it is. This is the main of the four so far that we have posts on Asbury. You can look up Asbury under the category drop-down menu on the right, or you can just put the word Asbury in the search box. Asbury Revival, Real or False. I've linked the video. I didn't want to put it on my page, but I got the link of this young man named Elijah Drake promoting his sodomite lifestyle and trying to make it okay that he's not active in it, supposedly. (laughs) Unbelievable. I got that linked. Another guy named Hodos is what he has there. He says, is the emphasis coming out of Asbury, Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Are people talking more about the Holy Spirit or Jesus? The role of the Holy Spirit is to point people to Jesus and to speak of him. From the personal videos and interviews I've seen so far, it's all about the Holy Spirit. This concerns me, he says. Hence, some of the things we brought out earlier. God is not going to bless sin, guys. He's not going to do it. He never has and never will. And he's not blessing a revival that's coming out of a camp that is full of sin. In Joshua chapter 6 and 7, God told Joshua, the mighty, precious man of God, Joshua, to get up and stop praying and go get the sin out of the camp. God could not bless. In fact, he was cursing the Israelites until they got the sin out of the camp. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul argues that God will not bless any congregation that allows fornication or any sexual deviance in it. And so they called the fornicator to repent. He didn't do it, so they turned him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his soul may be saved. In that case, he happened to repent. Thank God. In the end of that chapter, 1 Corinthians 5, which I want you to read over and over this week till it gets in you and you have a working knowledge of it. At the end of the chapter, the Bible says we're not even to have lunch with. Don't associate publicly with anybody who names the name of Christ, claims to be a Christian, but is living in sin. By doing so, you are sending the message to everybody that God's okay with this person living in sin. Okay, there's so much that can be said, and we have so much, a wealth of biblical truth on this topic. If you just put Asbury in the search box, you're going to find several posts that are full of wisdom in this addressing this, because the Bible says that we are to prove or test all things against the word and hold fast that which is good, First Thessalonians 5 21. Also, the scripture says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirit to see whether they're of God. And the only way you can test them is to put them to biblical test. And when we do that with Asbury, it fails on 
in every category. Now, before we close, let me read Stacy Struther, a good friend of mine, a dear brother of Christ, says about this Asbury delusion. He says, the time will come soon in America, as we see, and seems to have been happening in other countries for years, that men will not endure or put up with sound doctrine. That's what we read earlier in Second Timothy 4. They will become nauseated from the true preacher of the Holy Word of God. We're seeing that this week where you got all these false prophets claiming to be prophets, apostles, and pastors that are defending this stuff, this delusion, this sodomite Vatican delusion of NAR and word of faith heretics. Unbelievable. Then Stacy continues, he says, they will then offer us up to the town leaders to be jailed and worse, possibly executed. This persecution will come much from out of the so-called Christian community. Let there be no mistake about it, he says, our pulpits are filled with shallow-minded ecumenical preachers who have bought into the lie of universalism. That means they think everybody's going to be saved. God has dropped his standards, etc. No, he hasn't. That's the spirit of the devil. If you're being influenced to believe that Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. Isaiah 40 verse eight tells us that God's word will never change. It says this, Isaiah chapter 40 verse eight, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God standeth forever. Amen. Could it be any clearer? Mark Chapter 13, verse 31, heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my words will not pass away. And that means it will not be diminished. It will always be in full divine force. And we're going to stand before God and the books are going to be open. Perhaps that means both the words of the books of the canon of scripture and the record of our lives, which are all being absolutely filmed. God has it all on record. So Stacy says, let there be no mistake about it. Our pulpits are filled with shallow-minded ecumenical preachers who have bought into the lie of universalism. There will be no mercy for the true preachers. However, God will be with us. Our heavenly reward will be worth it. In Jesus' name, amen, saints. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>